everyone, welcome to this episode of Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political nugget, Kobe Omanaka. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts and political gold bullions, Diane and Tatten. How are you guys doing this week? Hello, Cobes. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, hanging in there. <laughs> is that a response to the budget? I think it is. Yes, I think it is. It is. <laughs> Still, uh, if I'm honest, it was yesterday. Today's Thursday and I'm... Um, Still processing, I think, is uh, is hard to describe it. The devil's in the detail, as people say, and that's really what we've kind of got to work through and get our head around. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the budget in no small part, but we should say at the top end, we are not a budgetary breakdown podcast. We are a podcast here to simplify politics, of which obviously the budget is has been a big feature of this week. But let's throw it to you first, Tatton. How are you doing? You, have you got over the lurgy from last week? I've mostly got over the lurgy from last week. Thank you for asking. Physically a lot better and then trying to catch up with work and it's been the budget and I'm completely brain dead and I have no idea what's going on. You said gold bullion. I think my head is filled with kind of soft metal <laughs> rather than anything of use so we'll see we'll see who knows who knows what we're going to talk about well let's head to the first part of the podcast each week we go through the most popular posts on the simple politics instagram feed Tatten, take us away. Well, in at three is the illegal immigration bill. We spoke about it a lot last week. It's uh, now making its way through the House of Commons. This is the one that makes life really hard for people. It's, it's there to stop the boats. Stop the boats. Full rundown of it last week. But it's, it's now going through Parliament. And it was its second reading. And at second reading stage, MPs debate the general idea of the bill. And it was never in any danger of not passing. And it did pass. But a few Conservative MPs didn't vote for it. That's not the same as voting against. It's called abstaining. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not big into this. One of them was uh, an MP you might remember called Theresa May. You might remember her because she was actually our actual prime minister for a while. Um, but even more, possibly even more important in this context, she was home secretary for four years. Back when having a government job for four years was a kind of standard length of time rather than 25 minutes each. And so she knows this stuff. And actually, if, 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 your, if your job is about cutting down people coming into this country through routes you don't like, she did an amazing job. She did an amazing job at stopping people coming on lorries, at stopping people coming in lots of other ways, which has created this boats problem. She stood up in the House of Commons and she said, anyone who thinks that this bill will deal with the issue of illegal migration once and for all is wrong. By definition, someone fleeing for their life will more often than not be unable to access a legal route, which is a big fuck you to the government from her. So what does that mean? The fact that she abstained versus actually voting against it, following the party whip as much as she could do. That's the main way she could show dissent without getting into real trouble with the rest of the party, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's not necessarily saying that everything in this bill is wrong. It's not saying she disagrees with the Rwanda stuff. It, she doesn't, doesn't seem to have that big a problem with. But this isn't the panacea. This isn't the silver bullet that maybe we would want it to be, given it's our second bill in two years trying to do exactly the same thing. 
maybe would want it to be more final. So she's saying this isn't right. And next stage in the House of Commons is uh, is committee stage and report stage when changes can be made, amendments can be made, and there are lots and lots of people going to put forward lots of suggested changes. And I think we're going to see that from Theresa May. I think we're going to see her voting against the government on these changes when they come through. And when we do, when they do, we'll obviously talk in much more detail. Okay, Diane, what was the second most popular post this week? Okay, I just want to say, at number two, sports fans, I just want to say that. That's all I want to say as a little (laughs) intro. It's all about Gary Lineker. Last time we recorded this, Gary Lineker had already tweeted, because he's big on Twitter, right? You know, obviously, you know him from playing football in England and then being a presenter, but he's he's quite political, you know, and he tweets quite a lot. So he had done that last week. And funnily enough, about this illegal immigration bill, and he isn't a fan and he said as much and, you know, put that out there. And that was kind of it for a couple of days. And then suddenly last Friday, there was the news that he wasn't going to be able to present match of the day which is the obviously the big flagship highlights football show on Saturday evenings. The BBC seemed to be basically taking a stand about his use of Twitter to call out the government and say something quite personal on there. And that had a whole backlash of its own there. <laughs> and this has all happened since since we last podcasted. So it's all it's all been quite quick. There was lots of other presenters who also then refused to take part in sports broadcast over the weekend and the schedule like shrunk incredibly. There was lots of hashtag I stand with Gary stuff going on. And then this week, and what was in at number two was actually the fact that he will be back. He will be back on Saturday. He will be there on Match of the Day. Be very interesting to see his intro and see what he says, you know, in, in that little bit. But he'll be back and the BBC have decided that they're going to have an independent inquiry into what actual social media use should look like for their presenters and celebrities. So they've kind of not made a a firm judgment on that. They've said, let's have a review and let's make some really, really clear guidelines for future so this sort of thing doesn't happen again. But Gary Lineker himself has been pretty positive about the BBC, even in his note where he said, I'm coming back and I'm presenting. On the whole, he's been pretty positive, but just wants to kind of work through this. It's been a really interesting view into that whole debate around if you work for an establishment, if you're meant to be impartial, what can and can't you tweet out? And um, it's got a lot of people talking. I think you've done a fantastic job there of summarising, Diane, what's happened over the past week. Because this Gary Lineker episode has taken quite a number of tweets over the past week, right? So I think this is the culmination of what's happened. I think one key thing you said is it'll be interesting to see what his opening few minutes are on this match today to see what's happened there. The impartiality thing is interesting because the main thing people were criticising and I saw from, from the impartiality is that it's not consistent across the board. So this side, people cited Alan Sugar, for example. He can tweet one way and doesn't get reprimanded. Jeremy Clarkson, someone has always, always pulled into these kind of melees when these kind of things happen. And Gerlinka also, he tweeted comments around the Qatari World Cup and wasn't reprimanded in, to the same extent at that time as well. So it's like, guys, what is the stance? What Can you make it clear? And if Gary Lineker or anyone else wants to adhere to those, then they can do so. But let's have some clarity here. And a distinction seems to be news presenters, 
versus non-news presenters. They just don't seem to be following their own rules at the moment, clearly. Just, just people are useless. I mean, that's what I've learned from this. <laughs> he tweeted something cool. Which people? All, I mean, all of, the, all of us all the time. I mean, I'm particularly looking at me and the webcam yeah. here. But all of us all the time are useless. Like, why on earth did the, did the BBC say on Friday night, oh, yeah, not going to do it, and then not think that, Obviously, obviously, no one's going to. Mark Chapman's not going to slide into that seat, like, like no one's going, no one's going to be that guy. And obviously, Sheer and Wrighty and all of this, of course, of they're so incompetent. Why, why, why wasn't this sorted better? And what was the outcome at the end? Nothing. Gary Lineker's going to swan back in. And they're gonna they're gonna use the famous inquiry to push it down the road, so that in the future we can know whether we can call people Nazis or not Nazis. Is that okay? Am I? I've watched the BBC and I've read a history book, so can I refer to Nazis? Like, none of it makes any sense. It's all been dealt with so amazingly badly, and it's a nice reminder because I'm terrible at running SP and it's a nice, like you look at the people who run the BBC and I go, oh, we're the same. We're the same. I mean, you've got more money, sure, but we're the same. <laughs> what was the most popular post this week, Tatton? Oh, I mean, oh, this is the budget. Of course it's the budget. The way we broke things down yesterday during the budget was that I put up a kind of breaking news kind of update as they happen because that's what I do. I get overexcited by things and I blurt them out. And uh, the intelligent, sorted, useful work we do is all done uh, by Diane. So I put out a couple of things that I was interested in about defence spending going up quite quite a lot and uh, Jeremy Hunt saying how he's proved the doubters wrong. I'm not sure he has yet, but this stuff, and no one cared particularly. And then childcare came out and it's been our biggest post of the year. So people are interested in this, especially SP people. A lot of SP people have children or a parental age. There were two parts of this post. One is that uh, 30 hours a week free childcare to three and four-year-olds, which we already have, will be extended to anyone from the end of maternity leave. So that's nine months all the way till school starts. So once you've had a baby and you've had your parental leave, you can then have 30 hours a week, free childcare, all the way until uh, reception age when they start school. And when they start school, there will be wraparound care so you can drop them at eight and pick them up at six so that everyone can work and everyone, the economy all gets flowing and we live in a utopia of happiness and joy. So what were the two sides of this in terms of responses? I know I, I represent one of the initial responses in that I've got a kid who's about to turn three and I was like, oh, don't, I'm going to miss out on that one in two year. Timed that all wrong, Kobe. <laughs> yeah, I know, we finally had known. <laughs> but also then there's, there's more detail to it than that. It's not as simple as that. I think it, it requires a lot of nurseries to change how they work. So will it, will it be implemented so readily? remains to be seen but it's still like uh, as an initial headline i'm sure a lot of people might with kids my age like ah oh, damn it dang it but what kind of other responses we've had tons we've had literally i'm not exaggerating thousands of comments on this post because if you think of the headline the headline right is kind of what people have been hoping and waiting for a lot of people you know some people choose not to work and that's fine too but for some people you know having childcare from when you finish maternity to allow you to go back to work if that's what you want to do is 
is amazing, is an amazing thing. However, it's not yet, is it? There's a whole schedule to this. And when that went out slightly later yesterday evening, there was a lot of, oh, okay, okay. So it kind of has to be phased because you're right, there's a lot to this. Nurseries need to get on board with this. There's some things practically to get heads around, like the funding per hour that nurseries will get to actually make these free hours happen. There's stuff around optional ratios being able to change, you know, so that nurseries might be able to have five two-year-olds to one staff member instead of four. So there's all this kind of stuff to consider. And that's why it's going to take some time to roll out. But, you know, people are very keen to point out that the date for everyone to be eligible for this 30 hours isn't till possibly after the next election. So that's an interesting point. Labour have come out and said there's another part that maybe we'll get to later where you can now put as much money as you want in your pension pot, right? Which is going to be really, really, really helpful with people who have more than a million pounds they want to have in their pension pot, which is, uh, I'm sure, everybody. And Labour have come out and said they're going to reverse that. So that's a really clear, if they win, when they win at some point in the future, they want to reverse that bit of that. Fine. It makes it difficult if I'm saving now, if I'm a doctor, this is all about NHS doctors, right? If I'm saving now and I've been told I've got limitless pension pot, what's going to happen to that money if when a Labour government turns up at some point, is that then going to be taxed again? It's very difficult uh, with Labour saying they're going to, but they're like, this is a tax cut for the rich. We're not, we're, we're not down with that, right? This childcare thing about coming in after general election, there's no way. A Labour government comes in and says, yeah, well, we're not going to do the uh, the childcare thing. We're not going to look after your children like that. That, that, that doesn't happen. So I, so, I, and I think it'd be a big, big, bold move if Rishi Sunak, two-time Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, turns up after the next general election and says, yeah, got your kids. We're only joking. You're not going to have that free childcare. That's not, that's not going to happen either. So I think we can rely that on the, it, it is going to happen. But I'm being sidetracked because the, the conversation I got quite deep into reading about last night is about who benefits from it. It's about working parents. A lot of the stuff in this budget was about making sure we're only using these payments, only paying out for people who are paying in. So we're supporting people into work and they're going to be more strict on sanctioning people on universal credit. If they could do more work, if they're not working, which is good, they're going to have their they're going to have benefits cut easier and quicker than they have been at the moment. And this is about working parents, two working parents. So specifically, if you have somebody on disability allowance, for example, who's not working, then if they're not at work, they can have the children. And then we get into quite a deep dive about the people whose parents aren't both working being often having less money. So we have rich people's kids being paid for by the government to go in and socialize and have that extra care possibly from from childcare. And we are growing a divide, growing a rich and poor divide. We're going we're growing a societal divide further because this is not a universal benefit. It sounds like a universal benefit, but it's very much not a universal benefit. Universalism is something we've spoken about this on the show before, and it's a fascinating topic. Should we just pay for everybody? Should we not pay for everybody? The idea of this is that 
it gets people back into work and then they're paying their taxes. And so it costs, in the end, we grow the economy to pay for the childcare places and we're not going to pay for it for those who aren't growing the economy. Let's head now, I guess, to part two, the mailbag section. But before we get there, guys, I understand that Tatten, Diane and Charlotte will be doing a live show on the 11th of April in Bristol. And tickets are available right now, I believe. There are a few tickets left. There are a few, I think, yeah, hardly any left. It's sold really well so far. If you like the show and you think, I'd like to, to do more of that. <laughs> yes, it, honestly, we're going to have loads of fun. It's going to, yeah, Charlotte and me. We're going to just do podcast type things just without Kobe. So a little bit shitter. And we'll do debating and I'll read some book and we're going to play games. We're just going to have a really, a really fun time. So please do, please do come along. Tuesday, the 11th of April in Bristol. It's at the Love Inn because we're all about peace and love and it's the Love Inn and, and they're great. And I'm so excited. You can get tickets at splive.co.uk, splive.co.uk. Well, let's head over to the mailbag. This is where we hand over to the readers and listeners of Simple Politics to find out the questions they've been asking. Diane, what have we got this week? A little caveat up front with this. We have had a lot of questions, which is great. We love we love it. We love DMs. Charlotte gets back to everyone who, who DMs us. But there's been some really, really, really specific questions budget stuff okay and we will endeavor to get back to people on that but you know real real specifics that probably we won't go through on the podcast because they're like if I'm earning x amount and I've got this many kids what you know really 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 specific so we'll work through those we will get back to people bear with us on that but I've picked two quite general questions that I think Tatna will be great at answering (laughs) I don't know if we want to give him slightly longer or not today. These probably require twice as much consideration than the 30 seconds from the previous weeks. So let's let's give a bit more time. A minute max. Okay, perfect. So the first <laughs> one's from Emma. So we've we've talked a little bit about childcare, but quite rightly she's saying, well, you know, hang on, how does the budget affect? Younger people say you don't have kids, she's trying to save for a house. Is there anything in the budget for them? Go younger people. I don't. I don't. I, mean, I don't know what this term really means. Yeah, because we're all individuals, more people. Like uh, we, the smoking's gone up fifteen percent. It's cost fifteen percent more to buy a pack of twenty cigarettes. So do young people smoke? Probably not. Do young people drink? Well, we're, we're, there's going to be. It's a little bit cheaper to drink beer in pubs than it is to buy it from the shop. It's quite complicated. Same for a house. There's nothing about same for a house, but house prices are coming down. So younger people who don't own homes are going to be in a better position compared to people who do own homes, except the house prices have gone up so much. Coming down a little bit still doesn't make housing affordable. If you go swimming, it's going to be a bit cheaper. Do you drive? Do young people drive? Young people are people, and whatever they do, then that will be affected. It's really hard to say. Energy bills. Do young young people definitely use energy because young people get cold just like old people get cold. Maybe not as good. Maybe not as cold as old people. Maybe they're more agile. Young. I don't know. I think that's time tutting. And that is how you conclusively answer something in a minute. Ah, oh, I I think there's something for everyone in that. Definitely. Next question. Right, we have one from Dawn. We're going off budget for a second here, and this is more of a general politics question. And Dawn asks, maybe this is about the bills that have been coming through Parliament this week, I'm not sure, but what's the best way to keep on top of what my MP is doing? 
and what their record is for passing or declining things that are going through Parliament. Go. I can tell one very quickly. Talk to them. Give them a call. Call their office. Find out what's going on. I mean, there's a website called uh, They Work For You, uh, which tells you the whole voting record. But the best thing to do is go to, straight to your MP and talk to your MP. You can write to them, you can tweet them, you can call them, you can do all kinds of different things. Most MPs, most of the time, almost all the time, will vote the way their party tells them to. And they they will often say, I was elected first and foremost because I'm a Conservative or a Labour or an SNP MP. And you want me to vote the way the Labour Party, the SNP or the Conservative Party are voting. So... Almost every MP, almost every vote will vote where their party votes. So sometimes it's possible they're voting in a way they don't necessarily agree with, but because they think that's what you, the voter who put them in place, wants them to do. So the headlines on they work for you don't always reflect to them really what's going on with an MP. Speak to them. Get in touch with them. Be their friend. Add them on Friendster. And are you saying with that then, Tatton, that... If you have a particular query with how they voted in a couple of cases, uh, how likely are they to say, look, I, to be honest, I don't really agree with it, but I have to follow the party line. Is that is that something they are likely to say? It depends on the person. Sometimes, yeah. We were talking about Kate Forbes, the SNP. She, she doesn't like, uh, she thinks that children outside marriage isn't great because, because of her faith. But she said she will support people's right to do that all the way through because that's what people want her to do. So she has been very public about the fact that she would act in a way that she doesn't necessarily believe in because that's what people want from her and that's the way and that's the way it goes. So we do see that happening from MPs, but just guessing how an MP feels because of the way they voted on something, because of something you see on Twitter, isn't okay. If you want to, and, and Dawn does, Dawn wants to keep on top of what my MP is doing. Talk to your MP, Dawn. Let's head over to uh, part three, the PM Watch. Guys, tell me what Rishi Sunak's been up to. I know he's been here, he's been there, he's been everywhere. There's nowhere to hide from Rishi Sunak uh, this week. If you live in Australia, he's been popping up there. If you live in San Diego, there he's been. He drove very near my house on the way to Dover last week. All the glamorous places, that's where he goes. Wherever there's glamour and fun to be had. You'll find uh, you'll find sooner. You'll also find him on the banks of the Serpentine Lake in Kensington Gardens and Hyde Park. Without a dog lead. <laughs> yeah, you will find him, and you will find his dog, but you will not find the legal necessity dog lead that he needs. <laughs> I love these stories. Lots of people don't bother with a dog lead, and then he didn't have a dog lead. But it's also what well, he was fined over covid and he did have another he did another thing that was wrong seatbelt seatbelt yeah that's the no one seatbelt. and now he's not he's not so mm, mm, do we want do we want this does, does it matter <laughs> uh so soon at watch he's buddies with uh emmanuel macron love romance we're giving him some money we're not quite sure i'm not quite sure what we're getting for that money the, the details quite easy. it's very difficult to make and then Joe Biden, and they're going to have nuclear-powered submarines so that we can be more fighty. We've got £11 billion in defence budget. Oh, God, we're all going to die in some awful apocalyptic war. So I don't worry about childcare. Just everyone take time off. Just enjoy each other's company while we're still around. I was just going to end on a positive. Don't panic, people. Do not panic. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but but Rishi has absolutely been um, flexing his global muscles, if you like. He's been doing the romancing, bromancing of other world leaders, and that's about making, you know, his reputation on on the world stage. Trying to look like he's out there signing deals, getting things done, treaties, the Northern Ireland deal, all that kind of stuff. That's that's his persona that he is really working on at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see whether that keeps up or whether he is back to sort of getting really more rolled into some more domestic stuff next week. Dealing with the aftermath of uh, Boris Johnson and, and the trust. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it, is it possible? And whisper it, he's quite good at this stuff. Like he has the Windsor framework is a is a real thing that's done quite well. And, um, you know, your, 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 your president of America, Joe Biden, was uh, saying he's going to pop over to, to Northern Ireland to, to celebrate it. We're standing up, the Australian PM and Rishi Sunak standing together. He is meeting Macron and it's going quite well. We've had a budget this week that's been generally quite well received generally i mean andy burnham i got sent an email from the government yesterday so with quotes from andy burnham welcoming parts of the budget so that's a labor mayor this government are doing things that are not universally popular especially around immigration but rishi sunak is being quietly effective and quietly competent at pushing what he wants to push and doing what he wants to do and that, I mean, we talk about Johnson and we talk about Liz Truss. <laughs> we talked about Theresa May already today. It's a different kind of premiership than what we're used to. Well, let's head over to the final section of Crystal Ball. This is where we try to determine what the big stories will be next week. Diane, what do you have in your Crystal Ball? Okay, so Junior Doctors... Um, we're on strike this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And it's, it, you know, in all, everything else that's happened, you know, Junior Doctors wasn't even one of our top hosts, you know. Um, it's really kind of easy to forget all that really important negotiations, pay, stuff is still going on. So that that's my, keep. it keeps rumbling on, but strikes and talks, about strikes definitely continuing next week. It's going to be all all very nostalgic next week because we are coming up against uh, all the anniversaries of the pandemic breaking out. And 23rd of March is when we all had lockdown for the first time and schools closed. I mean, it, for most, obviously, they said open for some people. Pubs closed. We were told very specifically not to go and have one last drink in a pub, which I then went and had one last drink in a pub. And McDonald's closed, and like just this kind of wave of things shutting, and us and our lives becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Obviously, not everyone's life became smaller and smaller and smaller because Boris Johnson was fine for partying during uh, lockdown, so his life didn't get much smaller. He is uh, next Wednesday as part of all of this this festivities of remembrance, I suppose. And I suppose remembrance is an important word because hundreds of thousands of people have died from this, and uh, we should we should we can't be too flippant. Like, it's easy to become flippant about it and just talk about banana bread and Zoom quizzes when people people died, right? Boris Johnson next Wednesday, two p.m. is giving evidence to the Party Gate inquiry, and is specifically looking at whether he lied to Parliament. Because he stood in Parliament and said, no rules are broken. And then the law said, rules were broken. 
So something's gone wrong here. And if he's found to have lied, then that's going to be slightly problematic. Inquiries going on 2 p.m. It's going to be worth watching. He's going to conclude that uh, on Wednesday at 2 p.m. No, it's just his evidence session. So they're going to speak to lots of different people. Uh, He will presumably say that he just didn't think that being given a cake during the working course of the working week, you know, working day. He had been given, he had visited a school earlier in the day or the week and he had been given a cake at the school and that was okay. And so he's going to, he's going to, he's going to play it down. That's the only time that he's been fined for all the other pictures, all the other events. Sue Gray, Labour, senior Labour staffer, Sue Gray has said that they're pretty much fine. Right. And the police, so he's only been fined for this one time. And that one time was Kate Gate, and he's going to say, <laughs> someone just gave him a cake. Come on, team. That's not that lied to Parliament. I didn't, like, I've paid the fine. So what will happen is we'll hear from other people who will also agree or disagree, and then we'll, the inquiry will we'll hear from back at, by the summer, I suppose. Guys, thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure to, as always, to uh, speak to my political gold bullion and Diane and Tatton. <laughs> to be smuggled out the country. Uh, thank you very much, guys. See you next time. You just heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.